G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Fans, 16, 11am, thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. We have, again, back by popular demand, the NTFL guru, Robbie Hale. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Good to be in here with the Clark brothers. Hey, we were speaking about the <laughs> grand final last weekend. I asked Raf about what his plan was, and he said he was on the tongs all day, cooking up a feed. What was your routine on grand final day? I actually headed out to Bachelor with my brother-in-law, so he planned us a little trip out there. I didn't realise it was grand final weekend, so... Obviously, I was back in the Swans, or one of the Swans to win, but it was good to see Cats get over the line after their success they've had in the last 10 years without winning a flag. Rob, you said obviously, but why obviously? Are you not a Cats man, or did you just back the underdog? What's, what's the theory behind the obviously? Uh, I had money on Swans, so <laughs> <laughs> I, like I got them at $12, so I had, a, I had a bit financial gain out of it. Um, and I like the way those young kids play, but, you know, Cats were way too good. Raph, Paddy Dangerfield had an excellent game on the weekend. Some would say that he probably should have been the North Smith medalist when you compare the amount of contested football that he won for the Cats. Where does he sit among the greatest midfielders that you have ever seen? Now, I don't want to put the pressure on you straight away, so I will go first. My top three, the holy pinnacle for me is Gary Ablett Jr., Chris Judd, and I couldn't go past Dusty Martin. A bit of biasness, but three, Norm Smith does that. Where does Danger... And then Dangerfield sits behind those three. That's how high I rate him. I rate him above Selwood. I rate him above Pendlebury. I think Dangerfield, perhaps he might not have the leadership qualities of some of those other players named, but at his absolute best, he is like a bulldozer Ferrari cross between those two. He is an absolute animal. Where do you rate Danger? Yeah, mate, he's definitely up there. Um, Yeah, in this last 10 years, he's probably in your top three midfielders, that's for sure. Um, I, I go back a bit. Um, you know, winding the clock back again, not showing my age, but, you know, Judd, um, Judd um, and Robert Harvey, I get to play along my idol, Robert Harvey. Um, to me, he was one of the, the greatest um, going around. And, you know, you forget about blokes like Kerr or Judd, um, but then I, I obviously got to play against Nate Fife as well at yeah. his young age and to see how he come about. He's he's probably in my top three as well, Nate Fife, because he can, he can control a game like Dangerfield can as well. Mate, I'd kick myself if I didn't ask you, Raph. Was Robert Harvey still an absolute training animal into his late 30s? Obviously, you saw the back end of his career. Was he still a machine? Yeah, definitely. And um, I remember him getting in trouble a couple of times from the, the training staff because, you know, he'd uh, try to put him on a restricted training regime. And, you know, but then, you know, they'd catch him running down the bloody Nepean Highway on, on a Sunday doing an extra 15 kilometres or whatever. And they're like, mate, what are you doing? You know, we've, we've got a running session tomorrow. And, you know, he'd come in and still smash out the running session. So Robert Harvey, you know, he was probably the first, of the, you know, changing that era into running machines, those midfielders. And, you know, he always looked like he, he was tired when he put his hands on his hips and bent over and slouched. And then all of a sudden the ball would be thrown up and next minute he's on the end of it. And he'd just go a day halves. And, you know, I, I love him. And I, I got to catch up with him and the Hawks played up here during the year. And, you know, every time I get to see halves, it's uh, unbelievable. Joel Selwood, another unbelievable footballer, has announced his retirement. He is one of the most decorated careers of any player currently playing the game. Four-time AFL Premiership player, one as captain, a six-time All-Australian, four-time most courageous player in Geelong record for the most games played, AFL record for the most games played, most wins as captain. 
Robbie, what will your memories be of Joel Selwood? Just a bloke that gave his all. Um, put his head over at every contest, I thought. Um, so I really like the way Selwood led from the front. There was a lot of talk about him shrugging and doing those free kicks, but a lot of the times he was first to the footy and head over it and would come off with a cut, you know, one in every three games pretty much. Very, very good player. Raf, did you ever get to play against Joel Selwood and what were your memories of competing against the guy? Yeah, I, I didn't play on him uh, directly because he's a midfielder. I was coming off half-back, but I do remember him almost breaking my leg in the 09 granny. Um, I think I limped off and he turned around and kicked the goal. Um, so, yeah, that was an, um, a very nice memory to remember Joel Selwood by, but, yeah, he's absolute, you know, you look at the stats you just read out, mate, and he's going to go down as one of the greats uh, of all time. Um, you know, just his finals records alone. Um, you know, some players don't even get to play in 40 games in their career, and he's he's played 40 finals. <laughs> so that's amazing effort. Robbie, where do you see him rank among the all-time leaders? I have caused a bit of a stir on social media over the last couple of years by even mentioning the great man Trent Cotchen in the same vein as Joel Selwood, but... I will remove my bias from this conversation now. Obviously, James Heard from, from your supported team, Essendon, is really good. Uh, Raf, you would have played under Nick Revolt. Where does Selwood rank among some of the all-time leaders, among your Hodges, Pendlebury's, Voss, Heard, some of those types? Robbie? I think he's right up there with those guys. I think, obviously, only uh, premiership captain of one, uh, one year might hold him back compared to a few of those guys. But to captain the side and keep him up for so long also should have a lot of credit because they are hard to win flags. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, he's, and he's led from the front. It's not like he was, you know, taking a second seat and coming off the bench at all and, you know, um, you know, not getting these touches and not getting his contested possessions right up to the very end. Like, you know, a lot of people probably see it as a shock that he's renounced his retirement because, you know, after the performance on the weekend, you could say he could go around for another two or three years. So, you know, I... I'd probably like to see him keep going, but, you know, it, it's a great time to bow out when you're on top. You know, you've done everything, you ticked every box, and, you know, it, it's, a, it's a special way to go out, I reckon. Raph, were you captained by Nick Revolt throughout your career? Yeah, mate. We had a few um, early on. Um, you know, Grant Thomas had a, a, a thing in place where we were changing every year, so we had a Luke Ball... Um, Luke Ball, Lenny Hayes, um, and then Nick Rewatt was the longest when uh, Rossi Lyon came in and changed that um, sort of captain style setup. And yeah, Nick Nick led by his actions more than anything. Um, you know, he he was he was the hardest worker on the track as well. Um, you know, he he just ran like you can never believe. And that's where I had to I had to play on him a lot of times. And and that's what bloody probably tore the hamstrings up a bit too much. I think so. Trying to chase him around on, on the training track. Um, yeah, unfortunately, but it, it, it taught me a lot about how to how to work. Robbie, did Joel Selwood make the right decision? Obviously, if you look at the Cats' midfield, or if you look at any weakness for Geelong, they could potentially say, well, they don't have that many young players coming through. Although, you have your Max Holmes types who could potentially move into the midfield. He plays a lot on the wing and, and across the flanks. Brandon Parfitt and a couple of others there coming through. Mm. Do you think it was the right move for Selwood to step aside or would you have thought, hey, a bloke like that for his 10 games and, and an unmanaged uh, load could be beneficial for our team? 
No, I think it was the right decision for him to step away. Um, looking at the list demographic with the age, just him stepping away just opens up that space just to bring in another kid. Parfitt's plays, you know, Parfitt starts next year. Um, so I think it was the right decision. They've got all those blokes over 30, and you don't want three or four of them retiring at the same time either. So having him retire, probably Tommy Hawkins next year, and slowly wean them off, bring the kids through. Yeah, there are plenty of tributes throughout the week for Joel Selwood. Here is what his teammate Paddy Dangerfield had to say about the great man. Um, but I'm also a strong believer if you get a coach, you've got to experience a different environment. Mm. but I don't want him to go. So I, I hope he doesn't coach. I hope it's sort of, you know, administration in some capacity or it's, you know, who knows? it might be a different sport for a little bit and, and get a bit of an understanding around other sports. But I know we'd certainly love to keep him uh, as a footy club. But, you know, what he's done for, for me personally and the guidance he's given me and then you, you, you know, you brush a broad stroke over that for our organisation. Uh, it's nothing short of, Remarkable. I probably like you. I hated playing against him. Uh, I wanted to rip his head off. <laughs> and then you actually spend time with him, and you think this guy can't be real. This level of humility, humbleness, um, selflessness. It's like uh, it's, he makes everyone else look terrible because of just how selfless he is. So um, you know what a ride, what a journey, and for him to finish the way that he did, it's, you know, befitting the person that he is. And, of course, he would have come up with many combatants in his career. Perhaps the best one was Luke Hodge, that Hodge versus Selwood battle that we saw so much throughout the 2010s. This is what Luke Hodge had to say on Joel Selwood. Uh, what he's meant to, to the game, I think, and what, what he means to, to the Geelong Football Club, you can sort of see it out there. It doesn't matter who you, you barrack for, um, on Saturday when you saw him holding up the Premiership Cup and I, I, uh, I did a video, I was out in the ground, did a video because I wanted to see the reaction when he got called up and I actually couldn't hear the announcer through the video because the crowd was that loud. Um, that was Sydney people cheering as well, which is tough to do after he just lost a grand final. But I think what what he stands for, um, you look at Joel, prior to a game, the biggest game um, of his career as captain, trying to be a Premiership captain and what he did for Levi Ablett just before, ran through the banner with him and then post-game when he grabbed Sammy um, brings him over the fence to, to bring in the excitement with, uh, with, with his team. I think that, that sums the bloke up, that either side of crossing that white line, uh, he's, such a, he's such a nice guy, but then can turn into such, a, such an animal, such a competitive beast who... You, the blokes like that are who you love playing against because you know that you're not going to get an easy kick and he's, gonna, he's not going to back down. So the way he finished off, uh, I saw his family uh, after the game and you could sort of see the reaction of his partner and his mum. When he kicked that goal, the, the teary emotions, you could sort of see that something was on the card. So no better way for, for a ripper like him to, to go out. I can't imagine what it would be like, Raph, spending over half your life at a football club. You've played such a huge role in changing the culture and you would just miss it so much. Can you tell us really quickly, obviously a different situation to Selwood, but when you were finishing up in the AFL, how did that all end up? Did you miss it? Did you wake up when everyone was talking about the, the following season ahead and think, oh, I'm not going to be a part of this and feel really disappointed? Or was it more of a relief? Yeah, it's a funny one. I'm, I'm nowhere. Don't, um, I can't compare to Selwood's finishing. <laughs> Mine finishing, um, I was showing the door. Um, so when it happened to me, mate, I, I actually hated AFL footy. Um, it took me a while to actually get back and watch it. Um, and if I, I reckon if I didn't come back and play for St Mary's straight away uh, with Xavier... Um, it would have taken me a long time to enjoy football again. Mate, what um, was it? Uh, it, it? 
Yeah, um, and I think the way it all happened, um, you know, the, the, the annoying thing about it, and I, a lot of people probably wouldn't believe this, but the the, sister, the, the main coach at the time, um, you know, that's the thing, I can't remember his name. He was there for one year with me. Um, what was his name? Do you remember? Yeah, what? Um, he actually sent me a text message, mate. So for someone to give nine years of everything you got um, to be delisted by a text message, yeah. um, you know, that's probably... The, the icing on the cake, which made me hate St Kilda for so long, um, and I'm finally just starting to get my passion back for St Kilda um, through a couple of guys. You know, seeing Benny Long there and and, and the likes of Hill and Paddy Wright over the last few years, but um, Tony Brown, um, the player welfare officer down there at the moment, he's he's been texting me and kept me in touch and contact a lot with me over the last few years, and he actually sent me up a couple of footies for my Div Two side this year. So, shout out to Brownie for that. Um, so yeah, it, I my career ended very, very differently, obviously. Um, and yeah, like I said, I, I didn't watch a lot of AFL footy for a good three to four years, and it's only just starting to watch it again and really enjoy the game again now. Yep. There are a few tears during the week from Geelong people, including Selwood himself, who said that he'll miss playing with the boys. It's the people you play with. It's the front row people you play with they i mean and that's not a stat but well hawks is a stat we played over 300 games together but which is ridiculous stat. but it's um yeah i can't put it into us you know a number thing for you but i just love playing with boys the ntfl begins tonight it's crazy how one season ends the other one starts up just like that Waratah take on St Mary's. They've copied a little bit what the AFL does with the old grand final replay as the season opener. Robbie, this is two clubs who you have had plenty to do with as a premiership player at St Mary's and a former assistant coach at Waratah. How do you think this game is going to go and how important is it for Waratah to get off to a good start? I think the, looking at the teams that have been posted, it's a good opportunity for Waratahs to really start the season and get that ledger back against St Mary's, albeit... Only round one and not a grand final. I think both sides have about nine or ten players each in from the grand final side, so they will be a bit weaker. Um, and I think it'll be whoever out of those best nine or ten players performs at the highest level will get their side over the line. I think that'll be the way it's sort of carried, I reckon. Rob, Ed Morris has joined the club as a playing assistant coach. He won the Mitch Lee medal for the best player in the Division One competition last year while playing for Banks. He's played some excellent football in Victoria as a small forward type. How do you prepare a side that has come off the disappointment of a grand final loss? So I spoke to Raf earlier about how you would prepare Sydney and all those different AFL teams that have gotten so close, been pumped in a grand final and then struggled to make it back. I suppose Waratah were in a similar position about a decade ago where they made the grand final against St Mary's, lost by 96 points and then were sort of into football oblivion for a little while. How do Waratah avoid doing the same thing? Making sure you keep everyone on the same page is important um, and just sort of double down on what you do well and then try to fix a few of those errors that they had um, towards the end of last season that cost them the grand final. Making the grand final from where they came from, I think, was a pretty good effort. Mm. Um, and then maybe just addressing some of the pace and that sort of stuff. I think they could have a bit more pace in there, um, and that'll sort of get them back in, I reckon. Mate, how does Ryan Ayres go as a coach? He is a quiet operator. You don't hear a lot about him in the media, um, but he, from all reports, does a pretty good job at the Warriors, and the results speak for themselves. What's his coaching philosophy like, and how does he go? Ryan is, is a pretty good coach. He's um, very well drilled, so trainings are very um, 
Very structured um, and that sort of thing. His game plan, I think he has the best game plan in the NTFL, the most southern sort of style with the zone that they did last year. Um, and I think that's his real strength as a coach, is having that. The, we had the buy-in from the group as well last year. Um, and they've got most, looking at the team list, I think they've got most of those blokes coming back. So they're really going to be a top three side. I think if I had money on it now, I'd say Saints would probably go back to back. But I think Waratah's right up there again this year. Last one on Waratah, Raf. Abe Anchors has had another excellent season in the Ovens and Murray and won a flag with Wayne Garatta. I think he's been one of the best midfielders in the NTFL over the past few years. How highly do you rate him as a player? Yeah, Abe's, Abe's is that real hard in, in and under, and he leads by example. Um, you know, when you talk about getting in and getting the footy and winning those hard balls, he, he you know, if you, you jump on board with him and you've got a midfield group following him um, and he's setting a standard, mate, you, you're going to go a long way to winning a lot of games of footy and, I rate A really highly and, you know, he, even his performances throughout his Thunder career, um, you know, he's a contested footy um, master. So if he, in, in TFL, there's not many of those guys around. So yeah, I take my hat off, Dave's. We still need to talk about the reigning Premier St Mary's and the three other big Premier League NTFL games. But we do need to go to a quick break. This is NTFL Talk. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin, we will love your listing. Talking about the NTFL, let's talk about the reigning Premiers, St Mary's. They're in action tonight against Waratah. Their captain, Nate Paridi, said in the NT News of his desire to go back-to-back. What type of leader, Raf, is Nate Paridi's? Yeah, Nate Paridi's is that quite humble type of bloke that we, um, you know, you don't want to compare anyone to Joel Selwood, but, um, you know, he's really, really softly spoken, Nate, but he's he leads by his actions and... You know, he, he's one of the hardest trainers. Sometimes you have to pull him up because you'll go and play soccer like he did in the off-season and play footy down south. And then, oh, to see him at the gym, like, every yeah, day. Yeah, and then he turns up and he's doing every single running session at pre-season and, and leading the way and almost winning every running session. So, um, you know, Nate Perry is he puts the work in non-stop and, you know, he's just getting super fitter every season. And, you know, to think that he, Nate's going to probably be fitter than what he was the last couple of years um, is scary for any opposition because um, he's a ball magnet. He leads by example, like I said, and, you know, he once you jump on his back and follow, you know you're going in the right direction. Just a quick one here, Raf, but Saints normally always have a really good crop of flying players. Josh Smithson, Lucas Jellyman-Turner, Aaron Heppel seem to be players among that group this year. Tell us about Josh Smithson. He was a player that I, I did notice last year, but it wasn't really until that grand final that I was like, wow, this guy can really play. Yeah, definitely, and... Um, I forgot that he played a bit of juniors for us as well because you just forget about types of blokes like that who are really quiet. And then even like to see he's, um, you know, when I was watching that final series, I was like, Jesus, where did this guy come from? Um, and then, you know, you, you look back and go, actually, he's played here before, you know. And then, but he, you know, he was unlucky not to get best on ground in that grand final. And, you know, to get him back and committed to the club, you know, and also you mentioned uh, Lucas Jollyman Turner. I think he'll be back up here living, which is a credit to him. Like he he, he loves Darwin, he loves the St Marys, um, and, and he's one of the best with our juniors. Like all the juniors love him, uh, whether it's his high shorts and tucked in jumper or the the yellow hair at times. But you know, having quality guys like that commit and move up for the year is is, is what the big strengths are for NTFL clubs. He certainly seems like a character, the Jellyman. Great name too. Palmerston versus Tiwi Bombers, Robbie Hale. It is go time now for Palmerston, surely. We were talking to Tavis Perry earlier. We had some technical difficulties there, but the club has added Philip Wills, Ashton Hams, the Farrah brothers. They've got 
basically the AFL Hall of Fame coming up for that one-off game. <laughs> Gary Ablett and Eddie Betts and all that. Surely a finals berth must be a minimum expectation this year for the Magpies. I think internally that should be the minimum expectation, but for mine, I don't, I don't have them making the five. Um, I do think it's go time, but those guys are a very experienced older group, but they're going to need that younger group to come through and, and really show something because those older players are very good players, but they're not going to be able to carry that side into finals, I don't think. So they're going to need those next players, your Stephen Lamptons and those young kids, Josh Holland be the big ruckman. Those blokes need to go to the next level, I think, this season coming up. Two-part question here on the Tiwi Bombers, Robbie. What does the club need to do this season to remain viable? I don't think they've won a game of football for about 18 months, but I'd hate to see a competition without them. So what do they need to do, and what does the new coach, Brenton Toy, bring? Toysey, I think, is probably like the best match day coach in the league. So I ran into Toysey three weeks ago, and he had said that they will be starting back, back a bit. So I think that means maybe the preseason hasn't gone to plan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was reading between the lines there. But I think I looked at their stats from last year, and they just give up too much uncontested marks. And if you take out the first two games of the year, where they lost by 20 points both games, the average losing margin after that was 105 points. So that's just not, not competitive enough for the, for the Bombers there. So correcting that, looking at their side, they've got a young side in, but Jakura's name, Mikey Coombs is named. So you've got some balls in there, so hopefully those guys can really bring that pressure and, and the young blokes follow them. Wanderers and Darwin is the third game of the round. We need to fly through this one, Raf. Wanderers look very strong on paper. The name that stood out to me was Stephen Motlop, named in the centre. What impact do you think he will have on the NTFL? And as a player who has done this and been in this position... What's it like returning to the NTFL after playing at the AFL? Is it a significantly easier standard? Is it hard to adjust? Tell us about that. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's hard to adjust because you're used to your game styles and your, you know, your players all being on the same ability or that running level. So, you know, Stephen's probably going to run to a certain spot and expect someone to get the ball there to him or, you know, um, he might be a couple of head, steps ahead. So he might have to slow himself down and get used to the NTFL pace again and just might even have to go and get his own footy, uh, which is no doubt can do um you know someone with his ability i'd be starting him on the ball and just go go do your own thing mate go and go and get it and play footy and you know bring the players with you um i ran into um the skipper um yesterday so i can go, go on blank sorry um, <laughs> yeah and uh you know he, he's looking very very keen on the side and he said if they're not a top three finish um then they'll be disappointed so um i'm backing them in wanderers have a very good year Darwin have named a strong side too. Nycliffe Trio, Liam Holt Fitz, Coco Nicky and Kane Riley have all been named for the club. Liam Whelan, who is a defender from Coburg VFL, will play up forward. The Stokes brothers, Bradley and Jared, are the ones that I'm looking forward to, to this season. They've both had huge pre-seasons. Jared is out of tomorrow's game due to suspension, but Bradley will be playing off the halfback flank. Robbie, we do not have very long at all, but Nycliffe versus Pine, the new team. I'm super excited to see how the Green Ants are going to go at Premier League level. But I must say... To give the Green Ants Nycliffe at Nycliffe in round one, gee, they've been thrown to the deep end, haven't they? Yeah, I think they have. Looking at the Nycliffe side, they do look pretty reasonably strong. They do. Nycliffe has 20, uh, 20, uh, 20 year olds, seven of them playing this week, which I think is really good for them moving forward. I was a bit worried with those young kids doing the pre-season; they weren't going to be given an opportunity early. So Pints are going to, you know, they're going to go up against a Nycliffe side that does have a, a bit of youth in there. But you've got the experience still with Islet, Wilson, Philo through that midfield. It's going to be pretty, uh, yeah, big test for Pints.
Raph, we've got about 30 seconds here, but I am interested in your thoughts on Cameron Eilert. So he is morphing into some mythical figure at this stage. Basically, he just keeps on going around again. I think it's about his 23rd NTFL season. Where would you play him? Uh, I think he's going to have to be that resting forward, you know, mid-resting mid forward um, and use his experience more so than anything instead of trying to him to lead the way with his possession winning and, you know, his, you know, strengths. But also you could play him in a back pocket off a half-back flank and let him control the game from there. Um, so, you know, there's less running, there's less um, demand on the body. But, you know, it's going to be a lot harder with Camry not having all those rest of those senior players around him. Very good, Raf. Thank you very much for joining us again, Raf. What does your weekend look like in 10 seconds? Uh, just get down to the footy, mate. Watch the boys. Um, hopefully the Saints get off to a cracker start against Waratahs, and that's about it. Robbie, thanks very much for joining us, mate. Yep. All the best, guys. This has been SEN Fridays at the Top End, 16, 11am. Thanks to Rain and Holland Darwin finding a place to write your next Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.